how many of you guys have ever looked through uh, binoculars before? I'm sure probably most of you. I, uh, I got new binoculars. You know, I, when I was younger, I used to you know, make fun of bird watchers, <clears throat> and now I is one. Um, but my, my, for Christmas, I got binoculars for one of my daughters so that I could look out my back window or on my back patio and look at all the amazing birds that we have that just tend to visit our, our yard. And, uh, but anyway, binoculars are a, a great thing, right? I mean, it, it allows us to take what's far away and bring it a little bit closer so we can examine it with more detail, right? Uh, telescope, right? Anybody, anybody look through a telescope before, right? Anybody look through a, like a high-powered telescope where you can like really see the star, yeah? I've never done that, but I, man, that has got to be just the coolest thing ever, right? I mean, to actually look through this thing and see some distant planet, like, up close, right? I mean, it's, wow, what a, that's amazing, right? Uh, or, or on the other way, a, a microscope. How many of you have looked at, through a microscope and looked at some cells or something and, and, and do- dove down into, you know, the atoms and the neutrons and electrons, all that? Uh, that is just crazy, right? I mean, that's amazing what we can see. Uh, the reality of these devices that we have around us is that we, it allows us to take what's around us, the, this physical world that we're interacting with all the time, and allows us to zero in and see things with greater detail. And, and as we do that, it changes us, right? It, it changes your perspective. It, it changed even humanity's worldview, right? I mean, to, to think for a long time that we believed that it was a flat earth or, or that, we, that the sun revolved around the earth, right? But as the technology came and as we were able to view these things in more detail, we began to realize that our perspectives were wrong and that there was a truer way and a truer reality than what we were living by. Even, even consider the, the microscope and what it's allowed us to do and scientifically, right? And, and what we can do even with, you know, I mean, think about cancer, right? I mean, cancer is almost, I, I, it won't be long before it's, I think it's totally curable and, and it's just totally gone. It just seems like we're on that track. I know 20 years ago it was like cancer was, I mean, it, you, it, it was over, right? I mean, you heard that word and it was just done, right? And, and now we have people like Carol Knott who had cancer and it's scary and it's still a possibility, but you can, you can get healed from it, right? You can actually get over that and it's just amazing. And it's because our perspectives have changed as we've been able to zero in and see things closer in more detail. There's a uh, Greek philosopher that many of you, I'm sure, are aware of, uh, lived around 2,400 years ago named Plato. Pretty uh, important guy in the history of philosophy. Uh, And he had a perspective 2,400 years ago that all that was around us was just shadows or just mere images of what was real. And that what was real, we actually couldn't fully understand and see. And so he came up with an allegory in order to explain this phenomenon or, or what he called it the forms. In order to explain what he meant by this philosophy or this perspective. Maybe you've heard of Plato's cave. If you haven't, I'll give you just a brief rundown of Plato's cave. Plato's cave is the the allegory where there are a a, a child, a mere infant, is chained, chained in a cave. And for their whole life, they're in this cave, and they are forced to focus only on the cave wall. Behind them is... The, a, a fire or maybe a sun or some kind of light source that is behind them. 
And so, and then there's a walkway between the fire and where they are chained. So they're looking at the wall. Behind them is a walkway. Behind that is a fire. And so they are forced their whole lives to just look at the cave wall and see life in shadows. The whole, their whole experience of their entire life is just that this is real life, is shadows. Simply is all that they see. And then one day, one of the prisoners is somehow able to break out. And he exits the cave. And as he exits the cave, he comes into the bright sunlight. And, and at first, as he's walking through the bright sunlight, he's shielding his eyes because it's so bright and it actually hurts his eyes. And, and because his eyes have never seen any of this before, he's struggling to try to figure out what it is before him. But eventually, his eyes do adjust. And a whole world of color opens up to him. And he begins to realize that the shadows that had been walking behind him or in front of him on this wall that he thought were that's what people were, or that's what an animal was, or that's what a flower was. He realized that, no, 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 that was just a small little piece of really what it was. And actually, it was something much grander, much more beautiful, much more powerful, much, much more amazing than he ever could have imagined. So eventually, he goes back into the cave and seeking to relieve his friends of this, this horrible condition they're in and tells them, oh my gosh, you guys need to come out and see this. It's amazing. The, the colors and the brightness and the beauty, it's all around us. It's amazing. You've got to come see what the world really looks like. But the prisoners were so used to the shadows on the wall that they rejected this prisoner, fellow prisoner's perspective, and they actually pushed him away and said, no, get out of here, and began to heap abuses on him. You're crazy. You're out of this world. What are you doing? Just get out. And so the prisoner who had broke out just left and left his companions there to continue to live their life in the shadows. It seems that uh, some 400 years later that perhaps Plato's perspective may have been proven to be true in this, this idea that the world that was before us is not all that there is, that there's actually much, much more. And when the Holy Spirit came into the world, it changed our perspective forever. Paul writes about this reality in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Let me read that for you. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these things are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And I lost my place. Just give me a second. There it is. Uh, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is 
who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. (laughs) Paul reveals to the Corinthian church and to us that there is real wisdom in this world. But it cannot be discerned by the physical realm that we live in. The physical world only sees shadows. The physical world cannot understand the spiritual realities of this world. Humanity, because of our existence in this physical world, has elevated the physical perspective. It has become the primary way in which we view our world. It's just through the physical. Physical, in essence, has become the only true reality. The physical is, if there is other realities, physical is still the primary reality. And the physical world, if there is a spiritual world, controls the spiritual world. But the physical world, Paul says, misunderstood. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what the spiritual world was saying and what was real. In regards to the purpose of creation, the physical world tells us we're just an accident. We just happened to happen out of nowhere. The physical world tells, in regards to creation, that it's about security. It's about gaining wealth. It's about having influence. That's what creation, the purpose of creation is. When it comes to what even Scripture taught, I mean, they had the Hebrew Scriptures. They had the Bible that told them about Jesus. But even when they looked at that, they misunderstood because they were looking at it from a physical perspective. And they, they thought that God saves the physical world only. They thought that Jesus was meant to be a physical world leader. They thought that salvation by grace was only for those who were physically worthy. But the physical world, again, misunderstood. And so Paul preaches to the Corinthians. He sends this message to them about the realities of the spiritual realm. He says that the spiritual realm is primary. He says that the, spiritually, that, that the message that he gave to them was spiritually empowered. He he said, I didn't just come to you in just human words and understanding and logic. I came to you with the spiritual understanding and logic, with spirit empowerment. I came to you with a message that was affirmed by the Spirit, the fact that the Spirit came upon them and they were baptized in the Spirit and the speaking of tongues and the, and the, the production of the gifts of the Spirit. He's telling them and reminding them that they received the message because of the spiritual realities that they were able to understand, not because of the physical realities. 
They're able to understand the message, the gospel message of Jesus, because the Spirit revealed it to them. But the Corinthians had fallen back or continued, in a sense, in their physical perspective of their Christianity and of their world. They were still seeing life through the physical realities as primary. They were trying to understand the spiritual realities that they had experienced, but they were looking at those spiritual realities through a physical lens. We too have that same struggle today. Many reasons for this struggle, but for the Corinthians and for us, we have all grown up in this physical world. Many of us have spent dozens of years of our life just seeing and viewing the world from a physical perspective. And so it's like almost, you know, when you become a Christian and you're trying to see things now through a spiritual lens, it's, it's almost like getting progressive lenses, right? Who, who got, like, progressive lenses at some point in your life and you're like, the first time you wore them, you're like, holy cow, how do you walk? Where is the, you know what I'm saying? Because it just messes up, you know, or bifocals, kind of same idea, right? You know, you, you can't, you can't, it's just a whole new way of perceiving the world and it takes some time to figure it out. Or, or like for me, you know, Apple products. And I mean computer products. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get an Apple before me and I'm just like, I don't, what is, what, I, how do you, where is it, is there, I, I have no idea. It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and it's just totally out of my realm of appreciation. Um, <laughs> we should ban Apple products, actually. It's got to be a reason we can do it. <laughs> Always looking for <laughs> Some way to divide the congregation. It's great. Um, another, another reason we struggle is because we're surrounded still by those who are viewing the world through a physical lens. It, it's like, how, how many have ever gone to like some amazingly beautiful place in the world? I don't know, like Yosemite. That's clear, close by, right? Or the beach even, or, or maybe to a concert, or maybe, maybe you went to uh, uh, Megan and Harry's wedding. Right? I mean, I was there, weren't you, right? Yeah, no. Anyway, what? Did I say it wrong? What did I say? Wh- who is it? Oh, what's just going on? Okay, never mind. I messed that up. Anyway, that's all right. I thought I looked that up. Anyway, oh, well. But anyway, when you're at this event or you're at this place, and all around you is people with cell phones, and, and they're videoing the beauty that's around you, or they're, or, or they're taking pictures or selfies of the beauty that's around you, right? And y- you have a cell phone in your pocket, and you didn't have it, and you were just enjoying the beauty around you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should probably take a picture of this, right? You know, so you pull out your phone, right? I mean, it's like we're surrounded by people that are looking through their phones and, and videoing and pictures and that kind of stuff, and, and we're like, oh, wait, yeah, I should do that too. That's the better perspective. Oh, I want to keep that picture for long term, right? I can have it forever. I can post it on my Facebook account or Instagram, whatever it may be. So we're surrounded by people that are still seeing things through physical lens. And finally, I, I think we're still drawn to, to the tangible results that we get in the physical realm. That, that there's real tangible things. I mean, it's like you know, going to the airport. Like some of us, you know, we still want to have that paper ticket in our hand. Right? I mean, pulling out the phone to go, is this going to work? Is this, what's going to happen? I'm not going to be able to. You know, we want to have that ticket, right? The, the physical, just the feel of it and to know it's a security in that. 
And so there's reasons that we struggle as Christians to begin to see things through a spiritual lens. You know, we've spent our lives seeing things through the physical. We're surrounded by the physical. And the, there's, there's good things in the physical that are tangible for us to enjoy. But the physical perspective of this world is merely shadows. It, it's not the whole thing. It's, it's just a little piece of what is real and what is true. The physical realm is limited in what it can reveal to us. It, it, it's temporary. It's, it's passing away. And, and, and you know what? Oftentimes it only gives us the symptoms you know, we try to solve problems, and we look at the physical realities that are happening in our life, but those are just the symptoms. We, we try to fix the symptoms, but we don't ever deal with the actual the, the cancer or the, or the problem that's creating those symptoms. But the spiritual world, if, if we can see this world through the spiritual lens, then we can see in full color, in all its beauty, and all that surrounded us. The, the spiritual lens is, is unlimited. You know, we're not limited by just the physical realities of space and, and, and time, right? The spiritual allows us to look past time, look past space, look beyond all of that. The spiritual is eternal. It, it goes on forever, it's, and it's primary. It is, it's the way that we can understand the physical. It is through a spiritual lens that helps us to know what is true and what's real in the physical realm. It gives us this accurate view of what we're surrounded by. And, and perhaps even most importantly, it is through a spiritual lens that we can understand the spiritual realities. We can't understand spiritual realities from a physical perspective. We can only under spiritual, understand spiritual realities with a spiritual lens. Jesus, this, this is what Jesus got in trouble for, man. This, this is what he, I mean, they were just railing on him over and over again because Jesus showed up and he saw things through the spiritual lens, through spiritual realities, and the people around him were all looking at it from a physical realm, and they were like, what are you doing, Jesus? For instance, his disciples get in trouble because they're not washing their hands before they eat. The physical world's telling them, don't you realize that the physical things that we eat will defile us? They will change the spiritual realities, right? But Jesus says, what comes out of you is what defiles you. He saw it from a spiritual perspective. And he said, no, 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 it's the internal things that are going on in your heart that causes the outer things to be defiled. When it came to murder and adultery in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he, you know, here, he, he, people, he's walking, he's having this great sermon, right? And he says, all right, you guys have all heard that, you know, if you murder, then you should be up for judgment. But I, but I tell you, he says, no, it's not just what you do outside, it's what's going on inside. If you have anger in your heart, then you have committed murder and are subject to judgment. Jesus was seeing it from a spiritual perspective. He's saying the, spirit, the spiritual realities are what corrupts the physical realities, not the other way around. 
taking care of the poor. In Matthew chapter 26, this woman comes up, crashes this you know, amazing perfume, really expensive, a year's worth of wages to buy this, and begins to anoint his feet and, and all of this. And the disciples are grumbling and saying, oh my gosh, what are you doing? I mean, we could have sold that perfume and gave money to the poor. And Jesus says, you will always have the poor with you. What is he saying? I mean, the physical world says that it is the physical things, the physical needs, the physical ailments that are a most important thing in our life. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It is the spiritual realities that need that have these things. It is, the, it is it's not saving them from poverty that is the most important thing. So often we try to fix this world, the physical realities of this world, without ever seeing it from a spiritual perspective, that it's not the physical realities that are the most important thing. Those are just symptoms of what's going on spiritually. We need to deal with the spiritual. Jesus also had dined with sinners. Matthew chapter 9. Again, the, Jew, the Pharisees were all upset about this. Why? Because they're saying that the physically sinful people don't deserve blessing. But Jesus says to them, it is the sick who need a doctor. His spiritual perspective says that it's the physically sinful who need the blessing. They're the ones that need to have their spirits touched. They need to be healed. Storms were calmed. Healing of people and feeding of thousands of walking on water. Matthew 8 and Matthew chapter 14. These, in the physical, in the, in the, the world's perspective, the physical laws were the highest authority. But Jesus says, be calm. Jesus says, get up. Jesus says, feed them. Jesus says, come to me, Peter. He is showing from his spiritual perspective, it is the spiritual world that impacts the physical world. It is the spiritual world is the highest authority, not the physical world. The spiritual world can do things that the physical world could never even think of. Bible gives these perspectives over and over and over again. Even the Bible and understanding it itself from a physical perspective, looking at this spiritual practice of reading the Bible, it sees that God's word is to people in the past. That God's word gives us principles to live by in this physical world. But if we look at it from a spiritual perspective and looking at these physical words on paper, we can see that God's word is revealing corporately and personally to us in time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We understand that the Bible is not just words on paper. The Bible is it's God's Word that is alive and active. The Bible, the Word of God, is Jesus who is active and working. The Spirit is speaking to us the truths of this Word. It's not just something that's static, that's sitting on the table that we just read. It's not just words on paper. No, it's more than that. The physical perspective in regards to prayer tells us that it's about telling God our, how, we're, how thankful we are or telling God about our troubles or telling God about what we want. But from a spiritual perspective, we see prayer that it is an intimate and personal communion with God. 
It's about coming into his presence in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense, to be able to understand and to be with him, to know him, to be one with him. Matthew 6, verses 7 to 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Why? Because your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. We don't have to go to Him with words. We can just sit in His presence. He knows, and He will speak to our heart, and we can speak to His heart, and we can just enjoy that communion. That is prayer from a spiritual perspective. The physical perspective on worship says that it's so we can appease God and so that we can receive blessing. But from a spiritual perspective, it says that worship is being directed by the Spirit to give glory to a true God. It's about what we can bring and offer to this amazing and awesome God. John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Everything that we do on Sunday morning should be focused keenly on Jesus, on God, on the Holy Spirit. That is what Sunday is all about. It's not about making you feel good about yourself. It's not about making you feel comfortable. It's not about worshiping in whatever style you like or don't like. It's not about reading your favorite passages. It's not about being able to take a nap when the pastor goes on and on and on, right? It's not about any of those things. It's all about God. When we show up here, we should give him our best to worship him and to thank him for what he's done, but to just bring glory to his name because of the realities of salvation and what he's given us. We need to adjust our perspective to a more spiritual way of seeing things. It's a challenge. It's not easy. Again, we're surrounded by the physical realm. We're surrounded by people who see things in the physical realm. We've grown up with it. You know, it's just part of our kind of DNA, right? <laughs> Literally. And, and, we, and we really do. There, there's tangible gifts that we like about the physical world. And it's not that we have to give up the physical world, the physical realities around us, there is truth in them. But it's not the fullest truth. It's just, again, shadows. And so we need to strive to see this world through a spiritual lens, through spiritual eyes. God is drawing us. This is what salvation is. It's spiritual unity. God's Spirit, and this is what Paul's saying in this passage. He's saying it's God's Spirit and our spirit that are united There's no way we can understand God through simply reading this book. The only way to understand God and to know Him and to know His will is for us to be united with Him in spirit. We have to see Him and perceive Him through a spiritual lens. Otherwise, we will miss Him. But we have, this is the good news, we have the mind of Christ. We have his spirit in us. We can perceive these things. So that means now it just comes down to a a decision of the will. That we would recognize it's there. He's there. We can understand these things, but we just have to change our focus so that we can begin to see the world through the spirit instead of just through our physical eyes. How do we adjust to those spiritual eyes? We do that through three things, I think. First of all, intimacy with God. That we would seek a greater understanding and a greater enjoyment of this relationship that we have with God. 
So often we get saved and then we just walk away from, it's not that we walk away from God, but we, it's like the spiritual experience where God just shows up and does something and speaks to our heart and then it's like the last time we ever think that he's going to speak to us. And the rest of our life we're just living in this physical perspective. That we would recognize that that relationship, that first time he spoke to our hearts, that that is what he wants to do every moment of every day. And that we would live in that and seek that. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. It takes time to develop that. But that, that would be what we're looking for, a focused, that we would be focused on living, uh, loving God. John 17, 3. Now, this is eternal life, that you know, that they know you, Jesus says, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Second, life of prayer. We can change our eyes to begin to see things spiritually if we have a life of prayer, the every moment awareness of God's presence. That we would stop just living life and stop for a second and say, God, what are you doing? Where are you going today? Like, that we would get out of bed and just, you know, it doesn't take an hour devotion time to do this, but that we would get out of bed and say, good morning, Jesus, where are we going today? I mean, I know we have our plans, that's great, but are, do we ever stop? Or, or when someone comes and asks us to pray for them, do we ever stop and say, good morning, Jesus, or good afternoon, Jesus, or good evening, Jesus? How do you want me to pray for this person? Or do we just go through the same old rote that we've done a million times before? Right? Do, we, do we ever stop in the middle of that conversation when a friend comes up and says, oh man, I really had a bad day, and go, God, what do you want me to say to this? What, how can I encourage this person? How can I show them love right now? to have a life of prayer where we are living in prayer every second of the day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then finally, we can do it through walking in the Spirit. Intimacy with God, a life of prayer, walking in the Spirit. Paying attention to what is happening spiritually. What is God speaking to our hearts? You know, emotions are a scary thing, and for many of us, we, we shy away from them because we're afraid of what they're going to reveal. But the reality is that those emotions do reveal something. And when those emotions come up, that we would pay attention to those emotions and say, Jesus, what are you saying to me with this emotion? What's going on inside of me? That we would be paying attention to the Spirit and His work. Did you guys know that, God, that the Holy Spirit is working on you all of the time? Did you know that he is always doing something in you, whether you recognize it or not? Why don't we seek it? Find out, recognize it. Look for it. Ask for it. Say, Spirit, what are you doing? How are you impacting me? How are you impacting these people that I've come in contact with? Galatians 5.25, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. All right, worship team, come forward. We're going to take communion this morning together. And we're going to ask you to come forward this morning to take communion and just kind of a reality of kind of a tight service this morning. I know some of you like to be in your seats and, and take, and, and, uh, but this morning we're going to just ask you to come forward. Uh, Pastor Bob will be over here, and I'll be over here with the elements, and you can come up and, and take uh, the bread and take the cup and then return to your seat and take it whenever you feel like you're ready to take those elements. Um, if you have struggled to get up front, no problem. We will have uh, Tim is gonna he'll he'll bring some around and he'll serve the worship team and then he'll also come to the back and help anybody else that can't get up to the front to come and be served. 
But again, may we just seek the Lord in this this morning, that, that, that we would recognize the spiritual realities of what Jesus brought to the table. You know, Jesus didn't live his life through a physical lens. He lived his life through a spiritual lens. And, um, and it changed everything. And, and then when the Spirit came at Pentecost, so that all of us could have the same Spirit. Amazing. Powerful. Beautiful. It opens up our eyes to a whole new world, a whole new perspective, and we can finally understand what is real. More so than just the physical realm. So this morning as you partake, maybe just seek the Lord in that and say, God, what would you have? What do I need in this? What, what is your spirit saying to me this morning? What is, the, what is the thing I need to take away from this today? And Lord, as I recommit myself to you by taking these elements, that you would be glorified in my life and that you would be glorified by just revealing to me your, your truth and, and the direction that you have for my life and, and how I need to implement these things more in my life today.